Hey, Freedom Fighters. This is David Delaney with 10 Bound. Thank you so much for listening to the Sales Development Podcast and tuning in each week. You are amazing. Sales development is the hardest job on the go-to-market team, and you do it well every day, and we appreciate you being here. Hey, I wanted to really quickly let you know about a project that we've been working on over the last couple months that we launched a beta version over at 10bound.com forward slash directory. And what this is, is a directory to help you out as you're looking for products and services that support your sales development efforts. As you may know, we have developed the first sales development industry market map where we pull together the very, very specialized products and services that are created to help you hit your sales development goals. And the number one uh, request that we got after we developed the market map is, hey, how do I double click on this and learn more about the companies, products and services that are on the market map here on Tambound? And we didn't have anything like that. You could just basically download the market map and kind of use it as a guide to start looking at some of these other companies that you may need for your sales development strategy. So we developed a directory and what it is, is basically you look at the market map, you look at the quadrant that you're interested in. So say you're shopping for outsourced SDR services, or you're looking at all the different availabilities around sales engagement platforms that are there. Now you can actually double click on that, go to the directory and each one of the companies will have their own page, a showcase page where they can put down very quickly, okay, what's the difference between them and the other ones? What's their value prop? What are their case studies? And how do I get in touch with them? You know, boom, 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 an easy way for you to, to check whether they're legit. This is a beta version. So we're going to be developing more robust capabilities so that you can save companies, look at their various ratings on rating sites and have that all in one place as you're doing your sales development research. So we're really excited about that. If you are a company that sells to the sales development community, be sure to claim your profile, get on there, register, get your page up, get your value prop up, get a few differentiators so that people know about you and they don't have to go to you know, a bunch of different sites. They can just start to gather that information in one place. And be sure to leave a comment. Let us know what you think. Let us know what it's missing, what would help you to be able to determine your sales development strategy and companies that you use that aren't on the market map and are not in the directory, but should be, that have really helped you to achieve your sales development goals. So again, it's 10bound.com forward slash directory. Get on there, check it out. Let us know what you think. Thanks. Hello, 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 everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Sales Development Podcast. I am super excited to get the next guest on the show, Mr. David Krieger, president and founder of Sales Roads. How are you doing today, David? Very good. Very good. Thanks for having me on, David. Oh, it's an honor. We're all the way from Florida, right? So we're all the way across the country and we're talking sales development and you know the outsource industry, which is becoming more and more important now as the economy goes through this rough patch. David, Tell us about you know how you got into this business and a little bit about sales roads. 
Yeah, so I started my career in 1999 during the first internet boom, and I was was the 16th employee at the company. I was tasked with building the inside sales team there. And coming out of college, I don't even know if I really knew what an inside sales team was, but I was told I needed to go build it. So that was my first entree into you know both you know sales development because we had obviously that portion, and then also you know the AE side, but all doing all of the inside sales work. And then, you know, I worked for a number of years, went back to business school and was really trying to figure out how to start my own company coming out of business school. That was my goal instead of getting a quote unquote real job. And at that time, I was 2006, you know, seven when I graduated and we really wanted to get back into inside sales and was reading about the, the remote distributed model, which was just starting then. And now everyone is living as we speak, uh, working from their home offices. And I just love the model because, you know, in sales, you know, there's so many things that go into a great sales team that executes at a high level, process, tech stack, all those things. But at the end of the day, it's about people. It's about having great people on your team. And I just love the concept that we could recruit great salespeople wherever they lived. And with internet and with the technology and SaaS and things like that, it just wasn't possible a few years before then. And it was so possible. And so we founded SalesRoads as a 100% remote work from home company in 2007, doing you know the SDR work, appointment setting, lead generation for our clients. And the model really has just served us extremely well, even before this, this period, just being able to recruit amazing people, you know, we're able to still manage them as I think people are starting to learn as their this remote model is forced upon them. But you can really, you know, manage sales teams in many of the same ways that you do in a centralized environment, in a remote environment, while keeping them very productive, a lot of times happier if done in the right way. And just, you know, I didn't have to recruit just around Fort Lauderdale. I got to recruit in your neck of the woods and in Michigan and Texas and, and just great, create an amazing team to help sales roads grow over the past 13 years. That is really amazing. You were really ahead of the curve there because back then it was almost like, you know, working from home would be, you wouldn't have much support, you know, and especially for the sales development you know, they, the traditional way of thinking of it was that they need a lot of support. They need somebody walking around and supporting them. But you were way ahead of the curve with the remote aspect of it, it seems. Yeah. And I agree that people need support and you need really good training and good processes. But I do, and this is one of the things a lot of people have been asking us questions about how to manage remote and we've been trying to help people where we can. You know, I always have rejected the idea that you need people walking around, you know, and unfortunately walking around a lot of times means looking over people's shoulders and making sure they're working. And I think if you do a few things well, one, recruit really great people, then create clear KPIs as we all need to do in sales, hold our team accountable to those KPIs. But then also, as I think all great high-performing sales organizations do, even in a centralized environment, you have regular coaching, you know, you have regular huddles and you're checking in, you're giving them the support, but you're not walking around and leaning over their shoulder, making sure they're doing their dials or, you know, making sure that they are, you know, having the, you know, not talking to their friends across the cubicle and things like that. That just destroys a culture in a centralized environment and, and in a remote culture as well if people are trying to do that. Excellent. Okay, so recruit great people, create the KPIs to support what you're trying to do, hold people accountable, and then have regular huddles. And you know that's the other thing. As extroverted you know, salesperson, you want to talk to people. You want to see people 
face to face, how do you make them feel like, you know, they're getting that contact if they're just home in their house all day? Yeah, such a great question, David. And another thing a lot of people have, I think, been asking about and, and struggling with. And at SalesRoads, we've done a number of things to try to allow people who need that social interaction to have it. While also at the same time, you know, it's amazing, you know, I'm in the sales profession, I love the sales profession, but I'm actually introverted. And, you know, I don't need as much of the social interaction as other people. So we try to give it to people who need it, because there's some people who are desperate, you know, desperately would like some additional contact with people other than prospects, but then also not force it upon people who are more introverted and just enjoying, you know, sort of the isolation. But I do think it's really important for sales readers to look at right now, because, as you said, a good percentage of the sales profession is extroverted, right? And they're not getting to have that interaction with colleagues, just even people at their grocery store, things like that, that they crave. And so what we've found is you can do it in a remote environment and you can do it extremely well, but it's just based upon the same principles, but it's done slightly different. And so I'll start with a few of the tactics and then I'll explain. I'll show you how it, you know, give you a story about how really you can create these deep friendships in a remote environment if you do these things well. So the first thing is, and it's going back to the, the huddles, we have stand-up huddles every day. I think even a centralized environment, it's a good best practice, but we do it at Salesforce. Every single team, you know, we're SDR outsourcing company, so we have a number of different clients that we serve. So each team that is calling on behalf of the, the, you know, the client with their coach, on the line, we'll do a quick five-minute huddle. Could be midday, beginning of the day. The, the the coach figures that out, and they quickly have a one-word opener. You know how they're feeling, what their key goal is for that day, and we try to have the video on where possible. You know, a quick core value shout out. You know, who did something that was aligned with SalesRoad's core values to show some appreciation, and then what they say, where you know, where are you stuck? And so if they're stuck on something, they've got, you know, maybe an objection they can't handle, or maybe there's some issue with the technology, they say where they're stuck. And then a lot of times either that's quickly solved if it can or taken offline with the coach. And then we end with a cheer. So we get that rah-rah. And I think it's really good to do in a centralized environment, but it's really important in a remote environment because then you're at least getting that, that social interaction once a day. Okay. Then, so, and then what I would also you know, so one other thing that I think has been circulating around, we've been doing it for a number of years, though, is in Slack, you want to have some channels that are just for fun. You know, so we have a virtual water cooler where once once a day, somebody posts a question, it could be as simple as what do you see outside your window? <laughs> and you just take a picture and everybody can see what it, what everyone's you know, seeing outside their window, or what was your, you know, the first movie that or concert that you saw, or, you know, just tell me something different about yourself that very few people know. And that it's amazing when we, we implemented that about three years ago, how people just got to know each other and they had fun. They could go, it's kind of like sitting around the water cooler and just, you know, talking about some fun things and getting to really know one another. And that can lead to other conversations. This is the other key thing I think is important. You know, what I've been hearing from some companies, and there's one Fortune 500 company I heard in particular that's, that's doing it, is they're checking in on their team constantly throughout the day to see if they're working, to see if they're doing what they need to do. I would encourage the opposite. Obviously, they, people know their numbers, and I, I would you know, make sure that your number is in line with the reality of today, first of all, but you, everyone needs to know what their numbers are and their, their KPIs are, but encourage people to t have outlets. Encourage people to pick up the phone and call the person who is in the cubicle next to them. Have a little bit of a conversation on company time. People need that outlet. They need to feel connected, and I would encourage it, not discourage it. And what that leads to, and I'll end with just a little anecdote, because a lot of times people will say, 
In a remote environment, you can't have the deep personal relationships that you have in a centralized environment. I can tell you firsthand that is just not true. I was on, so we also do virtual lunches. I, every other week I've been hosting lunches with five other people and we all, you know, just have lunch together. You know, sales buys lunch for them. They submit a receipt or, you know, they get Uber Eats. And there was this amazing story where there's, we have one rep who is in a rural location in Arkansas and they have one Walmart, but there's not that many people there. This was about two weeks ago. And then there was one individual who was in Virginia in a much more populated area. And they've become friends just by exchanging things on the water cooler. They were one, on one campaign together. They talk. And they've become very good friends. They've never met each other, never seen each other face to face. And the individual in Virginia was telling them, you know, when there was a big shortage on toilet paper, that they couldn't find toilet paper anywhere. The rep in Arkansas went out to Walmart bought a whole bunch of rolls of toilet paper, went to UPS and shipped it over to the rep in Virginia so that she could have the toilet paper that she needed. And so I just love that story. I mean, it shows that people are able to build relationships where they're even trying to take care of each other and they've never met before and they've just built relationships in a virtual environment. That's amazing. That's amazing. And one thing you mentioned is the coach. So again, your theme is not so much like micromanaging from afar, but it's instead of having a manager, you mentioned it's a coach that works with each of the teams. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. So at Sales Roads, we have a client service manager who interacts you know, directly with the client and really makes sure that we understand their goals and their needs. And then we have a coaching role. And their job is just to support the SDRs. And those coaches are usually on a few different campaigns, but not that many because we do believe that coaching is, is extremely important. And so they're listening to calls, they're looking at metrics, they're looking at the emails, and they will have either you know mini coaches where they'll just quickly check in on a call and, and go through it. And then we also have more formalized coaching where it's longer period of time, usually almost an hour, where they really go in depth with the SDR, talk about the things that are working, not working. And then we have a methodology that where we really are trying not to force views on the SDR, but really help them to try to solve the problems themselves. Because we do feel that the best coaching is when the SDR is really thinking about the issues they're running into, and then in turn, coming up with their own solutions. And the coach is really there as an advisor and a guide to help them solve their own issues. Got it. Okay. And does the coach, one of your tenants was holding people accountable. So is the coach also in that role of making sure that the basic parts of the job are being done or is that the somebody else? Yeah, it's definitely the coach. So there are a few different KPIs that we're holding our team accountable for as, you know, a sales or SDR outsourcing company. And so the most important KPI is, you know, held meetings. And so every SDR on each campaign has a quota that they're supposed to meet every month. And so the coach is looking at that quota, reviewing them, that quota with them. And then also obviously looking at the leading indicators. So, you know, how many touches is it taking to have a conversation? You know, how many touches are they doing per hour? And looking at those KPIs with the SDR to try to manage to ensure that they're hitting an exceeding quota. Got it. Okay. And then one thing that you mentioned that was really important is recruiting great people. And so you sort of have an advantage, right? Because you don't have to just think within your local area, you can go all the way across the United States, you said. So how do you find people that want to do this? And how do you think about recruiting those top people? Yeah, so 
at Salesforce, we're fortunate in the sense that we've been doing it for 13 years and recruiting SDRs for 13 years. So we've created a nice reputation for ourselves and we get a lot of inquiries from individuals who either you know, are not satisfied with their current job or we have people who sometimes are moving or they don't want to have the commute anymore or they're living in a rural area where they can't necessarily find the type of SDR job that they were looking for. And so we get a lot of people who are going to our website and just applying for the job. But then we also have our HR team does look at LinkedIn and we look at SDRs that are out there. People have a good background for what our clients are looking for. And we're continuously looking for great people. And we never stop recruiting because at the end of the day, as I started the the podcast, you know, you've got to do a lot of things well in sales development to have success for your clients. But if you don't get the people, the part right, it's very hard to make that up in technology, right? Or call approaches or any of the other types of things. And so we do take that very seriously. So we're really always proactively looking for great talent that would like to work remotely for an organization that, you know, really does focus on this type of work and really does try to develop their people. And how, you know, it's hard to find people who are good at the job and, you know, end up being good for your culture and can work from home. And and there's a lot of factors. So how do you think about, it's almost like gamble kind of bringing somebody in because there's no guarantee it's going to work out. I mean, how do you find people that can, you know, perform in this kind of environment? Yeah. So it is very tough to find the right people who can do this work well. And it's difficult work, but the, the best people love it. And, you know, cause I, you know, I, listen, I'm biased, but I think it's a wonderful challenge to, to be able to go and try to find proactively people who would be interested in our clients' products and service and can benefit from them and then be able to position it in a way that they can understand that benefit. And I, I think it's a puzzle. And the people that we recruit have that same mentality. But the way that we do it is we try to make it less of a gamble. Listen, there's no silver bullet. You're never going to know 100% if somebody's going to really be able to hit their quota day in or month in and month out. But here's the basic methodology that we use. First, we actually we do look at culture first. So we have a set of core values and our HR team is really looking in those interviews to make sure that they have you know, abide by those, abide is the wrong word, but you know, that they, yeah. they, they match those core values. Because what we've found is we've had some SDRs that are amazing on the phone and they didn't meet those core values and they brought the whole team down and they took the manager and coach's time up. And really at the end of the day, even though they were hitting their number, they were hurting the rest of the people and we were actually being less productive. So really hiring for culture fit is so difficult and you have to be disciplined in sales because that rock star salesperson, you know, we've all had them on our team. who was just so difficult at the end of the day, I've just seen it time and time again, it's just not worth it. And so we do first look at culture and cultural fit. The second is we look at a track record, right? Sales is great in the sense that it, you know, there are very clear KPIs and we look at what, what people have done. We ask certain questions to understand what they've done and we leverage the reference check in such a way that we can make sure to some degree that they're telling the truth (laughs) because we're going to check up on their numbers and and things like that and what they tell us because a track record of success in sales is generally a good indicator of future success in sales. Now there's a few exceptions to that, but it's a good indicator. And then on the interviews, we do a lot of, of role play. You know, we give them a pretend client that we have and do, they have to do a little bit of self-study and they come to us and then we, we really play it out with them and we see them in action. How would they do it? How would they craft the email? How would they engage with that person on the phone? How would they deal with that objection? And 
So we leverage those different types of principles, and then we make the best hiring choice we can. And then we have a pretty in-depth training program. And that training program, we also are looking like, you know, we're paying them, obviously, and they're employees at that point. But it's almost like another assessment. If they're really not shining through the training program, maybe it's not the right fit. So, you know, that has helped us to have a high success rate. Obviously, we have no silver bullet, but that has been very helpful for us. Yeah, it's a pretty rigorous process. And then, you know, if people struggle sometimes if you've got a client who the product is really hard to describe or it's a very esoteric industry because I can imagine that you get all kinds of different <laughs> products and services that you need to to promote. You know, is it are there some that are easier than others? And how do people adapt to, you know, taking on new clients? Yeah, so it's a good it's a very good question. So there are definitely services and products that are more esoteric than others. What we try to do with every client first at SalesRoads is we'll create that the strategy, you know, just like every, you know, internal team would have the have a playbook for the SDRs to follow. And with that playbook, what we try to do with the client's help is to distill the messaging down into as clear as possible a value proposition that is relatable to the prospect without having for those very complicated products to go too far. And so we need to make sure that we're able, our job is to make sure we can establish a pain point and that that matches the value that the client can bring to that prospect and that there's interest in taking it further. But for very complicated products, we try not to go too far. So we will try to refine the call approach in such a way that it is more simple. And that takes work, you know, and we spend a lot of time up front to try to create messaging that is easier for both the SDR to get their head around, but also the prospect, you know, they're being caught cold, you know, these aren't people who've just come to, to our client's website and are looking for that. So hitting them with something very complicated right out of the gate isn't necessarily the right strategy as well. So, you know, Winston Churchill said, you know, I'm sorry, I'm going to butcher this one, but, you know, apologize. It took me, I didn't spend more time to write you a shorter letter. We try to take that time up front to write as short a letter as possible is, without it being too short so that we can convey both the, the service of our client in the right way that shows the, how they can solve some of the problems that that prospect might be facing without going into too much detail. Right, because it would be impossible for them to become an expert on all the nuances, right, of the client, even if they're, I mean, sometimes they'll probably stay with you for a few years, right? But you're really focused on how can we convey the pain point, see if the person has it, and if so, we can then set up a meeting with the client. Exactly. And I think, you know, it's really important to, to work with the client to understand what really should be in a discovery call, right, which is what we're setting up where you can really ask a lot of questions that person's prepared versus that unexpected phone call or, or email where we're, we're really trying to spark some interest about something maybe they weren't thinking about the moment before that call or that email. And so there's a time and place for both things. And sometimes when you get into those more complicated things, that's really the place for the discovery call where you can really go into a little bit more detail, ask some more questions. You have a little bit more time with the prospect to work through all those things with them on the phone. Got it. And then at that point, you'll do the handoff. And so let me ask you this, you know, is it sometimes do you get more assistance from the clients than others where they can give you messaging and give you different things? And then sometimes they just don't have it because they're so early in the process? 
Like, yeah. you know, how early in it do you engage with that? Yeah, so it's a great question. So it really runs the gamut, but we do have a lot of clients that are coming to us, either they're early stage, you know, they just maybe got a round of growth funding, you know, their VP of sales is wearing lots of different hats, you know, they're closing deals, they're trying to work their network, and they might not have had the time to really sit back and think in detail about how their value prop relates to different buyer personas and how does that relate to a good call approach and some good email messaging and social media messaging and things like that. And that's okay. We get it. That's a a client that we really can help because we understand that building the SDR function is difficult. And it's a full-time job (laughs) that a lot of times that VP of sales, you know, they already have three other full-time jobs. So we get it. And what we ask is we just try to get as much information as possible from them. So we understand who their best clients are that they've sold so far, what are some of the marketing materials or emails they have sent out, and they just send it over to us. And we do a kickoff meeting where we ask them some really good questions to get them thinking if they haven't been thinking about some of this messaging before. And then we go away and we build it all for them. We build the whole demand generation playbook that we then present to them. They can improve it, give us some feedback, change them things. And then we do the training of the SDRs. We like them to be part of the role play because because, you know, it's good for them to, to first, you know, get to know their team, hear their team, give us feedback, ask them good questions. But we try to take that heavy lifting off of their plate because a lot of clients, especially early stage companies, but even, you know, later stage companies, you know, a lot of times you just don't have all the resources to manage an SDR team. And it's tough to put all that stuff together. So we do that for our clients. Now we do have other companies that have more information. You know, they might have mapped out all their buyer personas. You know, they've run, you know, different campaigns in, in HubSpot, or maybe they've had an internal SDR team that at one point maybe was working and then they promoted their SDRs to AEs and they don't have SDRs anymore, or maybe they, the SDRs didn't work out and they have more material. So we'll, we will gladly take all that. We want to learn what worked and what didn't work. So we're not reinventing the wheel, but we still have a lot of processes and best practices that we've used for other clients that we will then take those materials and we'll still turn it into what we think will lead to the best success. So to answer your question, David, we, we see both, but a lot of times, you know, clients are turning to us and they, they don't have those materials and that, that's okay. We help them with that. Got it. And is there one particular industry that you, you know, you're kind of carving out a specialty in or can it just be a wide variety? Does it have to be B2B? Yeah. So it does have to be B2B. We don't do any consumer. So all B2B. And we do work with a lot of SaaS companies because I think, you know, a lot of SaaS companies understand the SDR role and the importance of trying to create their own demand. So we've really helped a lot of SaaS companies, but that's, it runs the gamut. We have a handful of Fortune 500 companies in, for instance, the manufacturing space that they have always done sales in a certain way, you know, external sales and whatnot. And they just didn't know how to create an SDR team and an inside sales team. And so we help them with that. It does run the gamut. We do see the majority of clients are SaaS-based companies because they are really trying to find ways to grow extremely quickly. And it's a, you know, it's a good fit for, for what they're doing as far as trying to create demand. But we've worked with a lot of companies and helped a lot of companies in a lot of industries, but it is 100% B2B. Got it. And is it all sales development work or do you also handle inside sales work? You're closing the deals or is it just handing off the interest to the sales team of the clients? The vast majority has been sales development work. We have a few clients where we just worked with them for a long time. They like what we do and they just also were having some trouble on the AE side. And so we, you know, we helped them with that in those occasions where we've really 
become close, they need some help. And, you know, we know how to do it, but our bread and butter and what we focus on mostly is the sales development side. Sales development. Excellent. So I got you for one more minute. I had a kind of switching gears and a question that the something you brought up at the beginning was you chose entrepreneurship versus getting out of business school. You probably could have gotten a cushy job, you know, at some <laughs> Wall Street company or something like that. Why did you want to go this route versus getting into the, you know, the golden handcuffs? <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> it's a great question. And you know, I have always I wanted to be an entrepreneur. And I think it started even before working at the internet startup. You know, I just loved the rush of it. I loved building something. And so my goal going into business school, you know, and I think I was one of two that became an entrepreneur right out of sight of business school. There are a number who have done entrepreneurship after and been very successful. But I was one of two of a class of, I think, 700 to go into entrepreneurship. So it was difficult, right, with the student loans and, and having all these other job offers. But I just felt that at the end of the day, I was never more happy than I was when I was building that inside sales team at the internet startup and feeling like I was building some, helping build something from scratch. And I wanted that again. I just love the idea of creating things, creating new things and leaving my mark because of those things that I've created. And I feel like entrepreneurship is the easy, there's plenty of ways to do it. But for me, that was the best way to fulfill that, that passion or dream of. Yeah, it, things have changed because at least up until this, you know, crisis, entrepreneurship was becoming more hip, you know, mm -hmm. whereas maybe 13 years ago, it was like, what are you nuts? <laughs> You're crazy, right? I got that from a lot of people, <laughs> but I, I also got encouraged. I got encouragement too. I think, you know, I, yeah. it, it was, you know, it was, it was a good community, but it was a little bit of a different path, but absolutely. I mean, entrepreneurship, I think has taken off. And I think in this crisis, you know, and I know we only have a minute here, but you know, I think, you know, that we're going to see it in this, this crisis. You know, it's during times like this where people get the most creative and they figure out solutions to problems. And coming out of COVID, however long it takes, we're going to have a different society and we're going to be doing business in a different way. And those are the times when entrepreneurs really can provide the most value. And, you know, I think that it's an opportunity in many ways for entrepreneurship and entrepreneurship minded people. So, Cause we're all going to need to reinvent our company and think about new ways of doing things in the post COVID world. hundred percent. And I mean, the, some of the biggest companies are born out of these, these dips. And I can't imagine that some of the biggest companies of the world are probably being formed over the next couple of years. So it is a great opportunity. If you can look at it that way and try to get you know past the, the initial shock of it all. But these are some great tips. I agree with you. I think it's going to be more remote. It's going to be more distributed. We have the technology now. You've been a pioneer in putting this together and now it's all coming to fruition. So David, I just want to thank you for coming on and giving us all this tactical tips for the sales development community and, and sharing your knowledge. And I want to make sure that everyone knows how to get in touch with you and how to learn more about Sales Roads moving forward. Yeah. Well, thanks, David, for having me on. I really enjoyed the conversation. And yeah, the two best ways to get in touch with us is first, just our website, which www.salesroads.com. And on there, we actually have one of our more recent blog posts, which is four tips for managing a remote sales team. So hopefully that's helpful for the community. If you go to our website, you'll be able to see that. We have a little banner at the top. And then people can always connect with me on LinkedIn. I, you know, I love connecting with people. If they have questions about the you know, SDR outsourcing, man, 
managing in this remote world that we're now living in, please reach out, connect with me, ask me any questions you have. I'd love to help in any way I can. That's great. We've got the audience on here is leaders of sales development and revenue leaders. So you might get some people who need some help and also SDRs who, you know, if you've got any open positions, they might be a good fit. So we'll send them yeah, over. Please apply. That would, be, that would be wonderful. So Awesome. Well, thanks again, David. Thanks for coming on the Sales Development Podcast and we'll talk again soon. Sounds good. Thanks so much, David. Thank you for listening to the Sales Development Podcast. The only audio forum 100% focused and dedicated to sales development with your host, David Delaney. Please be sure to subscribe to the show on YouTube and take a moment to leave us a review on iTunes. Your support makes our show possible. If you are struggling with your sales development program, contact us at 10bound.com for a no-obligation exploratory call. Again, that's 10bound.com.